You're listening to Cannabis Health Radio. Here are your hosts, Ian Jessup and Corey Yelland. Welcome to another episode of Cannabis Health Radio. I'm Ian Jessup, and Corey Elland is away today. About six months ago, I interviewed a woman from Seattle, Washington, who was trying cannabis for her multiple sclerosis to see if it would help with her symptoms. And joining us for an update on how she's doing is Meg Llewellyn. Meg, good to talk to you again. Hi, Ian. Thanks for having me back. The last time we talked, you were a newbie to using cannabis, and I read your latest blog, and you're now referring to various strains. You've come a long way, haven't you? I have. I have. I still have a lot to learn, and I would definitely still categorize myself as a newbie, but I have learned so much, and I'm absolutely amazed and impressed with how much information is out there. Yeah, there's a lot. Now, just to recap for listeners, tell us when you first discovered you had MS. Uh, I was diagnosed in 2007, and as I went through with you on my first interview, uh, went through the first four, three, four years of physically being impacted significantly and, and led to using a cane in my Segway most of the time. About six years ago, I went through a life change of getting a divorce, and reduction in stress really did help with my physical impairment and put away the cane and the Segway and have not used either of those in now almost six years. Um, Somewhere in those six years, my chronic pain began. And honestly, now that I am finding relief, I am able to look back and understand that over the last probably two years, you know, I was just living in a bubble of pain and, you know, just solely existing to get through to the next day and, and manage in any way that I could, the pain. Um, and now, as I said, that I'm finding relief, you know, it, it's not always and it's not always consistent, but I am having so much more clarity and able to just really feel as if I'm participating in life again. Now, Meg, prior to taking cannabis on a pain scale of 1 to 10, with 10 being the absolute worst, where would you say your MS was? Oh, at, at, by the time I went to the cannabis, 10. And I always say... I don't say 10. Whenever I went to the doctor, I would, you know, leave it at nine because 10 meant there was, I mean, it couldn't get any worse. Um, but I definitely, and I do because it, it doesn't always work or I don't have the right strain. I have days where I am uh, close to back there and I absolutely wonder how the hell I managed to survive it day in and day out without anything. Now, on a good day after using cannabis, where would you be on that pain scale? Probably a three to four. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. When it's, when it's working, it, it works well. Um, you know, I've written, I am always still aware that the pain, you know, is there, but I'm feeling so many things outside of that pain. And, and I say, you know, for right now, I have to say I'm using cannabis for my chronic pain and not necessarily for my MS symptoms because since I've, found relief from the pain, I have been inundated with feeling the old MS feelings, like the heavy foot and the MS 
hug, which I haven't felt, but that's because I couldn't feel anything through the pain. You know, I may well in another month or two come back and be bitching and complaining about the MS, you know, symptoms that I feel. And I am hoping to begin to find strains that maybe address some of those things. But for right now, I'm just happy to feel something other than pain. So the pain was so bad before that your MS symptoms you hardly felt because you were dealing with this pain, which is in the forefront. Yep. I don't think at all that the pains didn't exist for the, or that the symptoms didn't exist. I just could not discern them from, you know, outside the pain. Now, in your blog, you refer to the MS hug. What do you mean by yes. that? Uh, it is a tightening around your midsection. Um, and, you know, I don't really understand what causes it. It can be as light as just a, you know, a tight shirt, and it can get to really feeling like you're in a vice and it's just squeezing. Uh, the first time I experienced it, I thought I was having a panic attack. But it's, it's just a, it's an odd thing. <laughs> We, um, and I don't know whether you heard it, Meg, but we interviewed a fellow in Nova Scotia who is patenting uh, a various product uh, with the U.S. government. And he has MS, or he had MS. Yes, I, I, listened, to, I listened to that. Oh, you heard that one, did you? About I did. Uh, taking yeah. uh, omega-3 and hemp seed oil? Omega-3, yep. yep. Have you tried and that? Vitamin D. I haven't. Um, again, I, I really am a newbie um, in that other than a few products like honey infused with THC and CBD and mints, I've stuck to my vape pen and the strains that are available through the, that concentrate. You know, eventually I keep saying I want to you know, find and try other things. I tried just doing RSO and or CBD products to begin with, and there was you know, a slight improvement in the pain, but nothing that really in my mind, made it worth continuing that. And so that's what led me to looking at strains that are higher in THC. And that's where I began to find the relief. Yeah, we did an interview with uh, Martin Lee of Project CBD, and he said even if you take CBD, you need to take some THC in it because they work synergistically. Yep. yep. And I, I, for my body, that definitely has proven to be the point. And what I have found, I mean, I've learned about you know, the the two plants, and I am much more an indica person. I do not do well with sativas, and, you know, that could be posed, could pose a problem because one of the big things with MS is fatigue, and the fact that an indica tends to be more the couch potato, you know, mellow, you know, I don't know if possibly using the strains that I'm using may be making me feel a bit more fatigued, but I have so much more energy than I did with the pain that it still seems like a win. There must be some specific strains that are good for MS. Yeah, i And your dog. I know, sorry. <laughs> well, that's okay. <laughs> Dad got home and it's really exciting. Okay. <laughs> And he's trying to keep them away. Um, yes, I have, you know, I started out the very first really, you know, I am finding significant relief was a strain super skunk. And I used that consistently for probably a month. And, and one of the things that I'm learning is it's not always great to find a great strain because you might not be able to find it. Again, and so, and that's what happened. And eventually, I had to go to something else, and I was very hesitant and you know pessimistic that anything else was going to work. But I have found other strains that that definitely work. 
and you know i i one of the things i really really enjoy is just feeling like i have control in the management of the pain mm-hmm. um you know if when i was on the oxy or not the um on the methadone if as you know my body got used to it and you know my doctor was encouraging me to increase the dose and i didn't want to I would take the pill and, and it wouldn't really touch the pain. And there was no way that I would ever consider just taking another pill. Whereas if I take a few puffs in the morning and whether it's stress or heat, the, you know, the, the pain begins to creep back in. I have no doubt that I can grab, you know, either the strain that I tried that morning or maybe another one and that, you know, I will begin to feel relief again. And I really like that control. Are you on any pharmaceuticals at the moment? I am not. That's I good. went from, I think probably, I think it was 16 pills a day. And, you know, it really, this didn't start out as, you know, I want to rid my body of our all pharmaceuticals. It was just really, I wanted to get rid of the pain. But I also, I think I mentioned to you, I didn't want to tar- start trying the marijuana or campus until I had gotten off of all of the, you know, pain medications. Mm -hmm. And so I weaned my body off of that, you know, six months prior, but I was still on a couple of other MS medicines and really unintentionally, I slowly began to taper off of those. So I have not been on anything for about six months other than the cannabis. When you weaned off those prior to starting the cannabis, how difficult was that for you? Um, it really wasn't at that point. The ones I was on, I mentioned, um, I was given a uh, medicine that's usually for depression that I put on 20 pounds in eight weeks. And so the idea of getting off of that and trying to just get my body back functioning, I didn't go through any withdrawals with that or anything. I just wanted it out of my body. Um, and it didn't, it showed me it, there wasn't once I, I was off of it and medicine free, there was not a huge difference in the pain level, which says to me it wasn't doing anything but making me fat. It was called amitriptyline. Was that it? That was the one. So, and I started with that. That was the one. That's the bad one. And then when I went in nice and puffy and fat and complained to my doctor, he said, oh, well, there's another one in this family that doesn't make you gain weight as much. So let's move you over to that. And that was nortriptyline. And maybe it's because I was already fat from the first one, but that made no difference. And as I said, once I came off of it, I really, it was not touching the pain. Did you lose the weight? I'm down 15 pounds. Fantastic. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, you know, people say, oh, you get the munchies from cannabis. For me, I think one of the things I'm enjoying, I mean, I'm not sitting here, you know, using it to get high. And I used to say, I don't want it to mess with my mind. And then, you know, I figured out one night, it's like my mind is the one that thinks it's in pain. So go ahead and mess with it, you know, as long as, you know, I can function. And I really feel like I have a better sense of my body now. I think about what I'm eating just because when the pain was there, which is back to what I normally was, but when the pain was there, I mean, it literally was just get through the day. And I get up in the morning and, you know, because I can take a puff and the pain is less, you know, the first thing I want to do is do stretches and I'm returning to the gym. And it's, it's been kind of life altering, but it's, it's been enjoyable. Yeah, I know when we first did the interview in early February of this year, you were slightly optimistic about taking cannabis, but there was some hesitancy, I could tell, as to whether it would help you. And those of us who don't 
deal with the pain that you dealt with every day really have no idea how difficult that is and how that really messes with your mind, doesn't it? Well, and and to be honest with you, I mean, I, I told you and everybody else during that time period that I had pain. But until you are out of that pain, outside of, I, I can't describe it as anything but a bubble, you cannot even begin to conceive of how bad it is every day because you just can't. I mean, there's just not enough space in your brain because you're just dealing with the pain. I mean, it overrides everything else. Yeah, I know. Sometimes uh, if I don't go to the chiropractor, uh, my back goes out and my wife said, "Is my wife always says to me, is your back out? And I says, yeah, it is a bit. And she could tell because it changes your attitude. It changes it changes everything about you because that is the total focus of your mind. It's the bloody constant yeah. pain. Yeah, even if you, you you think you are being amicable and you know and kind and nice, you are a different person because that pain it has taken over. Are you a different person today than when we talked in early February? Absolutely. I mean, I'm. I'm am I different? No, I'm me. I'm the the one yeah. I was before. Um, but and, you're different psychologically. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm, I'm in a much better... And I, again, I didn't know how bad of a spot I was in. I really didn't. And I remember when I, you know, I talk about boobs, boots, and hair, and I want to, you know, look good. And I used to go into the doctor's office always well made up and, and tell him I'm in, you know, excruciating pain. And it was really hard to convince anybody of that. And I remember him saying something that was, you know, kind of a forewarning. And he said, well, you know, you really need to be on the disease-modifying drugs because I've seen so many people, you know, like you who come in and, you know, you're all put together and, you know, in 10 years' time, you're a shell of the person you were. And I, I was so angry at him for saying that back then because I was sassy and, and active and everything was great. And as the pain got worse and I became the couch potato that everybody thinks marijuana is going to make me, I was deep into depression. I would do the things that I needed to do to take care of my children and, you know, the activities that I was required to do with my boyfriend and family. But there was really no enjoyment. And yet here I was, I'd gotten a divorce and I have this great man who's my best friend and my kids are older and I'm having fun with them. And so, you know, externally, I just kept saying, I'm happy, I'm happy, because I knew that where my life was at, I damn well should be happy. But she can't be, because you just can't feel it. Meg, is there a period in the year where your symptoms, your MS symptoms are worse than others? Well, I think um, for a lot of people with MS, heat exacerbates symptoms. And so summer is always a challenge. Um, in the past, when my kids were younger, I spend a significant amount of time on the beach and I just jump in the water. You know, I, that's how I cool my body off. And that really provides instant relief. And I have been using the cannabis and, and getting out and doing a lot of activities. And we've had, you know, fairly decent weather, you know, not too high temperatures. But I really, it you know, it has helped with that as well, just kind of staving off the beginning to get blurry vision and my, you know, my mind feeling like it's fogged up, which is what happens when I get overheated. The heat is very interesting, isn't it? Because I can't imagine someone who lives in a much warmer climate, uh, even though MS, as you get closer to the equator, the MS starts to disappear and the higher, farther away you are from the equator, the MS right. increases. So those of us in the Pacific Northwest and in Canada has the highest MS rate in the world, followed by some of the Scandinavian countries. But I would have thought that maybe over the winter when you weren't getting enough vitamin D that your symptoms yeah. would worsen. 
Yep. No, and it, it isn't, you know, I vitamin D and I grew up um, in on the East Coast. So laterally, it's about the same longitudinal, latitudinal, whatever. But I was somebody, I, mean, I was a lifeguard every single summer. And, and yes, we have harsh winters, but there was still sunshine and I skied and used to get, you know, sunburns on my face in the middle of the winter. And whenever I've gone and had my vitamin D levels tested, I actually have been on the high side. And I don't, you know, at that point, I wasn't taking supplements. But, you know, it, the reality is it, it is has to do with the heat. It's not the sun. It's, you know, I can walk into a gym that has no windows and the minute I start to overheat. And for me, what the heat does is, as you said, my vision just goes to shit. I can't see. Um, and my mind gets fuzzy. I mean, it's truly like I'm drunk and it's, it's instant. And so, you know, you go into a gym and, you know, you start working out and you begin to feel that way. It's a really weird thing to be feeling while you're trying to exercise or, you know, or do something. So even exercise, as you, as you exercise and your body heats up, you get those symptoms? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And I've, you know, I, I just wrote about, I tried a cooling vest. I mean, there are things that can keep my temperature down a little bit. Um, but it, it's instant. And I mean, you know, I, as I said, say, I don't want cannabis to mess with my mind, but MS does it all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, we head out in the morning, you know, to take the dogs for a walk and, you know, it's 10 o'clock in the morning and the sun rises and, you know, we've walked for a half hour. I'm completely, I might as well have taken, you know, three or four shots of whiskey. It's just that foggy. It's just, you can't quite get through. And then, you know, as I said, I can, I literally can jump in a lake and cool off and be fine. I can, after I work out at the gym, I go and sit in my air conditioned car for about 10 minutes for my vision to return so that I can drive home. So you sit in the car for 10 minutes, you cool off and your (coughs) eyesight returns. Do I have that right? Yep. Does that happen in the winter, in in the winter as well, when you work out and you get, you get warm and you go outside, you still have to sit in an air conditioned car? For, um, well, I mean, and if, you know, if it's cold, again, Seattle, we don't get really cold. No. You know, I, when coming out from the gym, it's 45 and wet, but not really cold. And so getting in and just cranking the air conditioning for 10 minutes is, and, and the, the interesting thing, you would think cooling my face off would work. And I have found that cooling my feet off, so putting it, you know, all of the, the cold air to the floor makes, makes my vision come back faster than anything else this is much more complicated than i would ever <laughs> imagined you know that <laughs> it really is. it's really difficult to live too i mean it's just kind of weird and you know i mentioned last time i talked to you i am obtuse i just do things and so all these things that i've done to adapt to the symptoms i don't think about much anymore it's just you know that's that's how i do it but it is weird. It is really, really strange. You know, again, you know, I'm outside watering the plants and a neighbor comes over and as the sun warms up, I literally am just, you know, she's going fuzzy because my, my sight is going and my mind. I mean, it's like I just did a couple shots while she was talking to me. And, and yet nobody knows that this is going on. No, no, absolutely not. Meg, I'm wondering when you were at your worst, when your pain was at, at a 10 on, your, on the scale of 1 to 10, I'm wondering what it was like for you psychologically in terms of you thinking about your future. Oh, I, again, I've talked about it on the blog. Um, I still i am a very optimistic person and I am incredibly thankful for the partner in life that I have found and, and where my life is going. And I 
would blog and write and hope that I will publish my book someday. But everything, again, was just outside of this bubble. I didn't feel as if I had much control in what was going to happen. You know, if I woke up in the morning and one of my blog posts, you know, had been viewed 5,000 times, that was good. But I didn't have any control over that. It was just something that I did to occupy my time. And now, you know, I've written, I am now thinking that I want to try to go back to work. And, you know, I left work only because of the company I was working for, for laid everybody in the U.S. off. And so, you know, I would still be working for that company, you know, and I would have done that through the pain because I was there when the pain was beginning to get really bad. Um, but, you know, in the last two years, I, there's no way because I just didn't know how bad each day was going to be. I mean, can I really, you know, get up and, and function in society? And I'm now dusting off my resume and applying for jobs. You were existing as opposed to living. Yep, absolutely. And I've said that in the blog. I mean, it it really, I just existed. And as I said, I knew that, you know, looking from the outside, my life looked good. I, I had everything that I want. And I went through the motions of having dinner with my children and laughing and going camping with my boyfriend. But it again, all of it was just do it to get through the day. You know, Meg, I'm wondering, since you said you vape and you have tried cannabis oil in the past, I'm wondering if you microdosed on the cannabis oil, whether that would be beneficial for you throughout the day. And that's one of the things that I have, you know, on my list of things to try. Um, Every time I try a different strain, you know, come home with something different, I want to try it for like consistently a week to find out because there are so many variations day to day with how I feel with the MS that I could try a strain today and be like, oh my God, Ian, this is the best thing in the entire world. Like this is the best my pain level has been since I started. And tomorrow I could use it and it doesn't touch it because, you know, I didn't sleep well or it's hot out. I mean, it's just everything I try, I try to try, try for a couple of weeks just to get a feel for overall how it helped so microdosing is definitely you know dabbing is another thing that i'm I'm hoping to learn more about um there are just so many things oh yeah it's a a real learning experience it is and i you know i am i'm very aware of that i am using it for medical purposes and i understand that those of us who are using it for medical purpose it's different for anybody that is using it recreationally and, you know, so those two and, the, you know, Instagram, like, I don't really need to like, you know, the 20 year old teens in their bikinis that are, you know, touting the, the joint that they're smoking. You know, those aren't the people that I, I need to associate with. And yet I've learned so much and I've read so much about legalization. And from what I, I, I 100 percent believe, I can't see a difference between choosing marijuana recreational to going out and having beers with your friend. And so. I don't want to ignore that side of it because I, I fully support that part of it. And so it's, it's kind of, you know, a balance between like, I don't need to be like, woohoo, I'm getting high because that's not what I'm doing. And yet I do enjoy hearing about, you know, functioning people who are like, yeah, I went out and had a great session. You know, we had, came up with some creative ideas for this new program or whatever. Like, I think that's awesome that that's how people are using it. Yeah, and I'm wondering about the microdosing because I take a capsule of three and a half milligrams of CBD and three milligrams of THC. 
Okay. And I take that a couple of times a day. And for me, it works wonders. I don't take it for any specific medical purpose. But I think, you know, in looking back at it and on my life and what it's done for me, I think I suffered a bit from anxiety. And mm-hmm. that just kind of levels it out. And yeah. I, I, th- I think, you know, if you took something like that, maybe three or four times a day, depending on uh, on how you feel, because this is always an experiment. It's always a dance. You know, have to find out what works for you. What works for you may not work for me. So Absolutely. I, I think if you did the microdosing with cannabis oil, it uh, you might see a difference. That is definitely something that's on my list. So anything uh, you'd like to say in conclusion, Meg? Well, I'm not really sure. As I said, I'm still learning. Um, and I think before you, I think we quoted it that I was optimistic or pessimistically optimistic. I don't know what I was. Um, but I, I am extremely excited that I have found cannabis and even more excited about the fact that there are just so many possibilities out there. Um, I, you know, I had said that one of my greatest issues to begin with was just the fear if it didn't work, like what else is there? Because I don't want to go back to being in that bubble. I don't want, you know, to live with the pain. And, you know, what I love about what I've learned about the cannabis community and the industry is there are so many things out there and people are learning more every day. Just as I said, I'm thinking about going back, you know, to work. And the first place I applied for a job is my pot shop. So I'm hoping that someday I can be a bud tender and, and share what I've learned and learn from others. I mean, look at the transition that's happened to you I know. only in the last six months. Yep. I mean, it's it's amazing because when we first talked that uh, you weren't this optimistic and now you're looking for a job. At a pot shop. At a pot shop, that's right. <laughs> yeah. I'm not sure. I, you know, calling my parents, you know, I'm like, hey, I'm going to look for a job. And they said, where? And I was like, the pot shop. And they were like, Oh, and my dad's comment was, I'm pretty sure you didn't need a college degree to sell pot. And I was like, yeah, but I'm going to be doing it legally. Well, the other good thing, uh, Meg, is the fact that you're off the disease, what they call them, disease-modifying drug. Yeah, and I'm not, I'm not willing to say, yes, that's a great thing, only because I'm not opposed to exploring that in the future. For right now, my body is stable MRIs, you know, are showing that there hasn't been progression and I'm feeling better. I haven't had an exacerbation in four years. And the way I explained it to my doctor was I don't want to put anything in my body as far as medicine that might remind my body like that it has this disease and should be progressing. You know, I said, I don't want to wake the monster. And so for right now, because everything is stable, and, you know, we're monitoring it. And, but I, I don't want to say that I would never explore that just because I, I don't know what the future holds. Well, the good news is that you're stable. It's not getting worse. Exactly. Exactly. And, and that's been the case even with the pain. And I know that people say even if an MRI doesn't show active or new lesions, you know, your body is pr- progressing. And I, you know, I'm aware of all of that. But for right now, as I said, I'm just so ecstatic that I kind of feel like I have my life back. And I now have something to be passionate about. You know, I, I've written about the MS forever, but I mean, I, I didn't choose to get MS. I didn't choose like, oh, yes, I want that disease. And so writing about it was, I don't know if it's an obligation or just feeling like I want to share my story, but I can't get passionate about it. With cannabis, 
it's something that I chose and it's working. And so, you know, absolutely, I you know, have full passion for it. Well, it's hard to get passionate about disease that causes you immense, <laughs> tremendous pain, isn't it? <laughs> well, as they said, and I mean, you know, even I realize, like, I don't do much with Vienna Society or fundraisers and whatnot. I don't do, you know, much. I, I certainly communicate with other people with MS and other chronic illnesses through the blog and social media. I've always kind of hesitated because I didn't want that to become my life. Like, I, you know, just because I have MS doesn't mean that that's all I can do, you know, is is go out and, and, you know, peddle people to, to raise fundraise and whatnot. Like, I, it, that's great, and there are people need to do it, and there's value to that. But I want to do something else. MS, and have the, MS and, isn't and who you have, are. Yeah, no, and, you know, everybody says, like, I, you know, I may have MS, but MS doesn't have me. And, you know, I say, I'm pretty sure this bitch owns me because, like, MS gets to decide whether or not, you know, today is going to be a good day. But what I have control over is what I'm going to do today. And, you know, if I sit and write about the MS every day, all day, it's what I'm thinking about. I mean, it's what I'm doing and it it becomes me. And so I really am happy that I have something that's outside of it that I can say, hey, legit, like this is helping me. And I really enjoy that. It doesn't make me think about the MS all the time. Yeah. Meg, it's good to talk to you again. Good to see that you're making progress and you're going to be a bud tender. And you'll hopefully, have, hopefully, you'll have to send us a message when you get that job. I will let everybody know, believe me. <laughs> okay, thanks for this. Thanks so much, Ian. Okay, bye. Take care, bye. If you'd like to tell your story about the medical use of cannabis, then send us an email at info at cannabishealthradio.com. Thanks for listening, everyone. You've been listening to the Cannabis Health Radio podcast. Visit our website, CannabisHealthRadio.com, and follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to PodConnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Season 1 of Dope History is now available at DopeHistory.com. Dope History weaves you through the lives of those who have been touched by cannabis or have had an influence on the events that shaped our laws or relationships with this plant. You'll hear tales from Frenchie Cannoli, Keith Strop, Eddie Lepp, Tom Alexander, Ed Rosenthal, Wolf Seagull, Jorge Cervantes, and Tommy Chong. Available now at DopeHistory.com.